and we're continuing our series in Acts. And uh, again, we're taking kind of an overlook at the book of Acts. Remember, Acts is the book after the Gospels. So Jesus dies at the end of the Gospels. We have the resurrection, the, the meeting with some of the disciples. And then the book of Acts kind of picks up there at the end. And Jesus says, all right, I've enjoyed being with you guys. Deuce says, I'm out. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to leave some guy called the counselor for you. You're going to be okay. I'm going to be there watching. But, but the, the disciples watch him leave on this on these clouds, an angel tells him, hey, he's going to come back just like he left, but be watching for him. Um, go serve him. And so, so then that's how the church begins. And the book of Acts is actually the, the history of the new church, the, the new organization called the Way by some people. Um, and so as we look through this, we're, we're, we're going to touch this morning on one, one passage of Scripture, and I, I kind of enjoy it. Um, how, how many of you have ever heard of Southern hospitality? Anyone ever heard the phrase Southern hospitality? There really is something to be said about Southern hospitality if you visited. Um, we don't count Florida because Florida is mostly Northerners that are retired in Florida now. So, so you don't necessarily get the same Southern hospitality from Florida. It, it's okay if you laugh. Well, I got a couple chuckles. It's okay. Uh, I, I love Florida, too. Um, they're, they're, they're okay. But, but when you go down south, you'll see that they just seem to be more welcoming. They seem to be more happy that you're there. Uh, I, have a, I have a cousin. He's, I think he's actually my fifth cousin. And I, I love this man dearly. His name is Wayne. Um, and he's from Alabama. And he, he talks like he's from Alabama. And um, in my northern communications skills or lack thereof, there are times in talking to Wayne that I would like to kind of help Wayne finish. Um, but he's just such a kind-hearted fella. And, and he tells me every time we see him, every, every time we go to Wayne's house, he always says, Brian, we'll treat you so many ways you'll have to like one of them. Um, and, and that's just kind of, that's just kind of their mentality. That's, they, they, they want you to know that you're in the South, you're loved, you're welcomed. Um, I've shared with you before from my South history, if someone ever says, bless your heart, that doesn't necessarily mean they're that, that, that doesn't always mean what you are hoping it means when they say bless your heart, because that's their own little phrase for what an idiot. Um, but, they, but, but there's something to be said about being welcomed, Right? When you think about it, how many of us like to be in groups where people like us, right? That, that's most of us, right? Some of you are afraid to raise your hands. You, you think I'll call on you or something. I don't call on too many people when I'm preaching. Um, but is it, if I were to say how many of you like to go places where you're treated badly, no one would probably raise their hand, right? That, that, that you would be okay in not raising your hand there. Because, because we, when we think of going somewhere, I want to be liked. I, I, in my profession, I'm not always called so that I can be liked where I show up. But, but we all have in our, in our DNA this desire to be liked. And as we go through this first, the, these first seven verses in Acts chapter 6, I want you to think about the importance of us as the church making sure that we remember how important it is for people to, to feel that. Beginning in verse 1, we're going to read all the way through this, then we're going to go back through some of it. Um, I didn't put the whole passage up there for you, so you'll have to turn in your Bible if you have it. Uh, if you don't have it and you have, want to use your phone, if you want to just listen to my voice, that's fine. However you want to do it, we're going to read through these first seven verses. While we read, I want you, you guys, a lot of you know, I've been around long enough, some of you know, I, I want you as you read through here to see if you pick up on any 
Any things that Dr. Luke tells us that, that, uh, that might be worth hearing. He says this in the beginning of verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas Vaniak. If anybody pronounces those better, I'm okay with that. Uh, That's my best Delta interpretation of their names. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted as well. So let's go back. So we've had the book of Acts, right? And we've seen some things. The Peter gets up, preaches. There's 3,000 people come, be baptized. We've got this explosion of growth in the church. And so there's just people and people and people and people. And as the people begin to grow, we find that not everybody, not, not everybody is happy with church growth. I know you might find that hard to believe. But there are some people that aren't necessarily happy with the church growth. And so this is important. for I, I want you to hear this. Remember I said pay attention to some of the words because you know me well enough to know I'm a little bit warped. And it's okay. Jesus loves me. But when you read through this, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6, you see, look at this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied. That's a good thing, right? We, because believers means heaven's getting bigger. Jesus, we're there preaching, trying to convert people. And so that's a good thing, right? As the church began to grow, as the believers were rapidly multiplied, people celebrated, cheered, and then, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. (laughs) Nobody else wants to chuckle. Are you afraid to chuckle? I'm not sure. Let's, what's happening? The church is growing, many people coming, and some are discontent. Some are, some are just unhappy, right? And why are they unhappy? They're unhappy because, how many, anyone in here raised a child? Anyone taught a child? Anyone spent more than five minutes with a child? What's one favorite phrase of children to say that you might be able to hear in this passage? It's not fair. Right? Anybody hear that? Because the church is exploding in growth, and we have this group of people saying to this group of saying to the disciples, that group of people is getting more food than this group of people, and it's not fair. And so those of you that have had that conversation with children, what's your response? Come on, say it. Life's not fair, right? So I'm done preaching. The disciples said that life's not fair. Mike dropped and walked out. No, no. 
but, but can, you, can you hear that in, in what's going on? So let's spend just a little bit of time talking about why they're so upset. So it's not as easy for us to understand. I think if we just focus on the widows, we have to talk about them for a minute, but if we just focus on the widows, we're going to miss the big picture. But when, we, when we're talking about widows in that day, so today, let's, let's come back to today because you know today. If in today's world, if a husband and wife have children and something happens to the husband, who does the estate that has been built, who does that go to? Generally, who's it go to? The wife, right? It goes to the spouse because their, their name is on the same banking accounts and all that kind of stuff. So, so for the most part, the, everything that's left from the husband when it happens, the dad, goes to the wife. Now, in this day, when Luke is writing, in this tradition, in this time, that was not the case. Mom and dad would have children. If something happened to dad, everything that had been accumulated as a family went to the eldest son. Okay? So, well, then what do you do with mom? Well, mom was sent back to her family, and her family was responsible to care for her for the rest of her life. All right? So, so, so let, let's just think about it. Let's, let's go down that road a little bit. Let's, let's just think for a minute. If you've been married, and you've been married long enough to have children, and You've raised your children, and then something happens to your husband, and you're sent back to your family. What are the chances that mom and dad are still able to provide for you? Good, bad? Probably not great, right? And so then it befalls to your brothers and your sisters, and the sisters don't have anything because they're women. So it befalls on your brothers to take care of you. So that's why... That's why widows were a little bit different then. Now, I'm not saying widows today don't have struggles. Please don't walk out of here and say, Brian, the, Brian said widows don't ever struggle. I'm not saying that. But in that day, it was, it was a little bit different. And so they were reliant on the church and the Jewish people and the government to provide for them because most of the time, brothers were like, Deuces, I'm a, you're my little sister. I don't want to deal with you. And the parents weren't there to support them anymore. So they were left to kind of figure it out on their own. So that's why it's so important for us to understand that when we're talking about the widows, they, they didn't have a way, they didn't, they didn't really have as many ways to provide for themselves. They were, they were reliant on other people, all right? But now when we look at that, the real message here is that someone feels like there's not being treated fairly, right? And they come to the disciples and they say, hey, those people are getting more, those widows are getting more than what, what we're getting. Now, Here's a question for you. Do you think that the apostles sat down with the people that distributed the food and said, hey, um, those, widows that, those widows that live in Toledo, they, they're really whiny. They're kind of hard to get along with, uh, kind of crabby. So let's not give them as much as we give the people from Fulton County because we like the Fulton County widows better than we like. Do you think that conversation happened this means yes, this means no. No. It wasn't a matter of them specifically saying, we're going to treat one group more poorly than we're going to treat the other group. I think what really happened was the disciples are doing their job. They're trying to take care of these people, and no one really was paying attention to what was happening in this distribution. Does that make sense? I'm not stretching too far to say that, right? We can make sense of that. And so the, the question for us, though, is don't we all want to be somewhere where we have significance? 
Don't we all want to be somewhere where people care about us? And what had happened was these, this one group of widows had kind of fallen through the cracks. This one group had kind of fallen through the cracks because, because the church was doing their thing. They're, they're doing this and doing this. It, it, and they kind of forgot about them. They, they took care of the people they knew and they were comfortable with and they were comfort- and they had been around. But that new group of people, they're, well, well, they just don't get thought of as much. Does that make sense? So the question for us as a church is, do, do we do that? Are there times in our life as a, as a church where we kind of are good at including the people we're comfortable with and including the people that we know and, and including the people that, that kind of think like us and kind of have grown up like us? Are we good at including those people but less concerned about other people. Is, is that possible? Just as that possible. Don't, don't say, oh yeah, that's what we do. I don't want you to say that. But isn't that possible for us to fall in that trap? Because see, that's, that's what's going on here in Acts chapter 6. The, the group, it's not about they, they specifically said don't give those people stuff. They just kind of didn't pay that much attention to them because they weren't, they weren't like them. Right? Why do we care as a church? Aren't we the place where people should be able to come and be loved. I mean, shouldn't everybody that walks in our door be welcomed and be made to feel significant? Don't they deserve that? And aren't we as a church, I think we've kind of been included by somebody that didn't really have to include us, didn't we? Did Jesus really have to include us in his plan? Have we ever just let somebody walk in and walk out of church? Has anybody walked into our church and been, been here for a little bit and not been included and left because they didn't feel included? That's, that's a question. I don't know. But that's what was happening in the book of Acts. And so those people were like, hey, this isn't right. Why? And so they come to the disciples and they say, Hey, you guys got to fix this. There, it's not fair. Now, the the disciples now have an option, don't they? Uh, they have some choices, don't they? They can they can say, "Oh, you're right. That's not fair. Let's stop teaching and let's make sure that all the we, we'll we'll distribute. Say, we've got twelve of us. We'll distribute stuff better because because we know better. That, that's an option, right? They could say." And this is probably more closer to what I would be inclined to say, just because I lack Jesus in a lot of areas in my life. Um, who cares? Are they getting some food for crying out loud? Deal with it. Or they, they could have said what they did say. Hey, we've got a job, but we'll help figure out the way to take care of these people. Look in verses 2 through 4. We see this. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility, and then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So what do the disciples say? The disciples make it very clear for us the supremacy of Scripture, right? They say, hey, 
the real focus of our responsibility. Our responsibility as the apostles is what? Teaching the word. Good. We, we have a role. We have something that we're supposed to do. We are to teach the word and make sure that people understand. Now remember, who are the apostles? It's been a long day, huh? The apostles were the ones that spent time with Jesus. They're the ones that watched Jesus. They're the ones that stepped out of the boat and walked. They're, they're the ones that were there when he was crucified. They were the ones that met with him after he, after he resurrected. They're the ones that started this whole thing. So they, they're the beginning of the church. The, the church starts with them. Right, And so when this comes to them, they say, hey, our focus, our priority as the apostles is the word of God. Now I'm going to take just a minute, maybe two, and tell you how proud I am of our church in this regard. That we have staff that are committed wholeheartedly to the word of God. Now, when we look at this passage, the, these, these people come and complain. and they, So pastors could say, oh, we've got to make sure that everybody feels good and everybody feels comfortable and everybody's loved and everybody gets enough. And they could spend all of their time trying to make sure that people feel welcome and appreciated and supported at the expense of the word, right? Isn't that an option? They could choose that. Have churches chosen that? Some churches have, haven't they? But one of the things that I love about True North, one of the things I am so proud to be a part of, is that Rex and our other staff members will not sacrifice the word of God to make people feel comfortable. I'm very glad that that is. And that's exactly what the apostles say, isn't it? Hey, our... What re, what, what's really important for us as the apostles, what's really important for us as the leaders of the church is to make sure that the, that the word of God is proclaimed, that people are hearing what Jesus actually said, that they're learning and understanding what Jesus actually taught. Now, they could stop there and say, it's not my job. Anyone ever heard that? Anybody, anybody a boss ever had somebody say, that's not my job, I'm not doing that? Right? Ever anybody worked for a boss and you told your boss, that's not my job, I'm not doing that? But the, the apostles could have said that. Hey, that's not, we're, we're going to teach. Whatever happens with those widows, we don't have time to mess with them. We've got to preach, right? They had that option. But they said, okay, okay, okay. I'm not sure how begrudgingly they did it. I don't know. But let's get together. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to start up some church functioning here. And so they say, find seven guys that are respected, bring them to us. And we'll set this program up. That way we can keep doing what we're supposed to do. We can keep preaching the word. We can keep teaching. We can keep help people understand what God says. But we can also make sure that things are taken care of and people are cared for. Right? Has anyone been at True North long enough to, to know what our, like our mission statement is? What's our mission statement? You hear it almost every week. Love God, love others. Doesn't that sound like what the disciples are saying here? Hey, we are going to help people love God. We are going to help people understand who God is. But we're also going to step out and we're going to, we're going to take care and make sure that people are cared for and loved. So we're going, to do the, we're going to put these seven people out there. Now, what do they do with the seven people? Did they just send them out into, did they just say, all right, go figure it out? 
There's a reason why they did what they did. They brought them in front of everybody. The scripture is very clear. They brought them in front of everybody, and they prayed for them, and they laid their hands on them, right? So the apostles, the 12 apostles, have this group of seven men in front of the congregation, in front of all of the, all of the believers, and they say, hey, these seven men are going to take care of this responsibility so that we can continue doing what God has called us to do, and that is sharing scripture. Now, why do we do that? Why is that important? So uh, some of you may have done this, and I, I hope you're not offended when I say this, but as police officers, some people are very generous and loving, and they will bring us food. Like, they'll just show up at our station with food, like cookie. They'll, they'll bake cookies, you know, brownies, and they'll bring them, and we'll walk in, and there'll be this spread of cookies and stuff, from someone that we don't know. Now, I know the heart behind the people bringing them. All right? Right? I also know non-trusting cops and food. They don't know where it came from. That's a good way to take out some cops. You know what I mean? So we're a little bit hesitant to eat, those, to eat those cookies. They may look really yummy, but we're a little bit hesitant to eat them. And I don't want you to stop taking them in there because you do have a good heart. I do want you to understand, though, if somebody says, oh, thanks, you'll know why they say, oh, thanks. Um, it has nothing to do with you. Why, why do I tell you that story other than to, why, why do I tell you that story in this? Because if these seven guys that they picked just started trying to help people, how would people have looked at them? If somebody just knocks on your door with food, they just show up at your door, knock on the door, hey, and you walk in and they walk in and they say, here, brought you some food from the church, see ya. I don't know, right? How many of you are like? How many? How many of you understand what I'm saying? All right, you don't have to. You don't have to feel the same way. You don't have to be warped like I am. But how many of you understand what I'm saying? And so, what the disciples did is they brought those people up and they said, "Hey, when these people contact, so what they're saying is, when these people contact you, or if you have a concern, these are the people that you want to talk to because they're the ones that are going to help you. If you if you see that your widows aren't being taken care of, these are the people that are putting together the plan. They're the ones that are handling. They're the ones that are managing what's going on. Everybody understand that? So the disciples actually didn't just blow it off. They said, hey, our role is to preach the word. Our role is to share the scriptures. Our role is to tell you what Jesus taught us. But we also understand that caring for people is important. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you this group of people, and they're going to take care of it. They're, they're going to help you out and make sure that your physical needs are taken care of. It's somewhat like we have here in True North. And this is not a sermon on church structure. We're not going to debate whether it's deacons, elders. That's not this sermon. But, what, but we do have a group of elders here at our church, right? And if you look at the back of your bulletin, our names and phone numbers are on the back of the bulletin. That's so that we can help you out. If there are things that you need help with, we're an available resource. Does that make sense? So... The apostles say, we're going to make sure that we preach the word, but we're also going to make sure that you're cared for. Why does that matter? Because then what happens? 
Look then in verses 5 through 7. Everyone liked this idea. Remember at the beginning when I, remember at the beginning when I said, kind of listen for things? That one stuck out to me. Everyone liked this idea. I'm not sure if I've ever heard someone say everybody liked that idea. But anyway, I digress. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, they give a list of names. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, laid their hands on them. Now look at this in verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted as well. Now let's, let's think about what happened. Think about the amazing part of what's happening. These people are serving and they're loving. And, and so the disciples say, hey, we're going to keep preaching, but we're going to set these people up to take care of you, make sure you don't fall through the cracks, make sure that you understand you matter. We're going to take care of all of that. And then because they're doing what God asked them to do, they continued to grow <clears throat> and grow a lot, right? And <laughs> what's at the end of that? the end of that little passage there in verse 7. Even the Jewish priests were converted. Now why does that matter? Why does Luke point that out? Why do we care whether the Jewish priests were converted or not? Let's, let's go back through a history lesson. Okay? Who has established the church? Jesus, good. Who is building the church and is leading the church now that Jesus is gone? The disciples, good. And where did the disciples get their teaching from? Jesus. And who are the Jews? The Jews are God's chosen people. Okay? So, God's chosen them. Don't ever, don't, don't ever get in an argument with Jews. You'll always lose. No, I'm just teasing. They're God's chosen people, though, right? They're the favorite. Anybody have a favorite in your family? You have parents that had a favorite? Nobody in here had parents that had a favorite? Usually when I ask that question, everybody raises their hand because they always think the other one was the favorite, right? So the Jews were God's chosen people. They're the favorites. Everybody knew God chose the Jews. And so, who killed Jesus? The Jews, right? They're the ones that had Jesus killed. So, so we have God's chosen people. We have Jesus, who's killed by the Jews. And we have these people over here that are teaching about this guy here and converting these people here. Think about how amazing that really is. The people who called for the crucifixion of Jesus, because of the way the church was doing things, began to be converted. Do you think Jews are tough to convert to Christianity? Do you think they were in that day? They were God's chosen people, and they said Jesus, they didn't say Jesus was a, was a the Jews then didn't say Jesus was a pretty cool prophet. What did they say he was? He was a blasphemer, right? He was, of the, he was the worst of the worst, they nailed him on the. They had him nailed on the cross instead of just hung there with ropes because he was so horrible in their mind. And now those people have seen Jesus' disciples 
begin to share and begin to teach. And now they're seeing this work of the church and those people, those people are coming to know Jesus as Savior. You see, sometimes we miss. Sometimes we as, we as church people don't understand just how powerful the word of God really is. And just how much that Jesus can do. As the worship team comes forward, I, wa- I, want, you to, I want you to think about something for me. Remember I asked you earlier, what, what do people see in our church? What, what do they... What do they experience from us as followers of Christ? When people are new to our church and they, they, they sit through this sermon and, and they worship with us, and then, then at the end of service, what, what do they see in us? Do they, do they see a group of people that are welcoming and that are inviting and that are supporting? Or, or do they see us in our little, little holy huddles? Everybody kind of goes to their own little corner and talks to their own little group and then kind of leaves and people that need Jesus kind of slide in and slide out and get missed. Which one do we have? I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to leave it there for you. But it's important for us. It's important for us as followers of Christ to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm really just some punk from County Road K, Graduated from Delta High School, nothing really fancy, nothing really important. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just Brian. I'm, I don't have like, I don't, I don't have like a lot of wealth behind my name. I don't, I, I'm not a professor at some fancy university. I'm not, I'm just me, right? I'm just, I'm just Brian. But I have a savior. that even though I'm nothing, (laughs) he made me into something. I I, I get to stand up here and talk for a little while, which I really enjoy. Hopefully in the talking you learn something, but it's not because of me. It's because of my Savior. And as a church, it's not because we're some cool group like we're the true northers we're just we're just all little punks from our little streets that went to our little schools and are loved by a savior that said hey I'm going to love you enough that I want you to go love somebody else and I want you to share my love with other people and in you sharing your love with other people I'm going to grow my community. I'm going to grow heaven through you. And see, see church, <laughs> we've been given a great gift. This morning, as we, as we pray, we're, I really like the song that the Spirit gave today for us to close with today because it talks all about the greatness of the name of Jesus. You know, that's the, that's the name that we carry when we leave here. And people say, oh, are you a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, that means little Christ. 
I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm commissioned to do God's work. Let's pray. God, what a great God you are. Thank you for your church. I enjoy so much learning again as we go through the book of Acts. I, how they kept bumping into things and, and stubbing their toe and trying to learn things and making mistakes. But, but God, all along, the disciples said, what we really need to do is get the message out there. And we need to show them how much Jesus loves them. So God, help us. Just give us the strength, give us the courage and the ability to do what you've asked. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.